who are on the line this morning, I bring you greetings in the name of the supreme being of the universe, the creator of all things, Jesus the Christ, the son of the living God. This is Hopewell Missionary Baptist Church Sunday School. We're located in Norcross, Georgia. We're online. We have a website. We're on, the, on YouTube. Look us up. Hear the word of God. We're so glad this morning that you've joined us for Sunday school. We're going to delve deep, dwell, delve deeply into a scripture that may be familiar to you, but I promise you there are some things you will learn if you are attentive and you are focused on what the Spirit is saying to the church, especially in this time of pandemic, things are going all kinds of different ways at the same time, but I need you to trust God. If you have your Bibles, when we get back from our prayer, we're going to be in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter number five. This lesson is going to bless you beyond measure. We're going to be in the book of Matthew chapter number eight. I said five, Matthew chapter number eight, excuse me, Matthew eight. <clears throat> Thinking about Mark, Matthew chapter number eight, and we're going to start at verse 23 with some background. Would you join me in prayer? Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you this morning for your grace, your mercy, your peace, for your loving kindness you've shown toward us, for how you've been so good to us, despite our shortcomings and our failure to live up to the things you've asked us to do. You've been so merciful. You've shown us such grace. You've been a true God when we haven't been true Christians. Oh, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the water we drink, the food we eat, the clothes we put on, the air we breathe. Thank you for showing grace to us. Thank you for having mercy on us. Thank you for loving us when we were unlovable, even sometimes now. Thank you, God. God, we just praise your name. We thank you for Jesus Christ the son of the living God, proved himself to be God's son through miracles, proved himself to be God's son by dying, proved himself to be God's son by staying dead three days, proved himself to be God's son by getting up on the third day, proved himself to be God's son by being seen of many witnesses who had also seen him die, proved himself to be God's son by ascending into heaven and is now seated on the right hand of God the Father, making intercession for us, proved himself to be the son of God by orchestrating the whole universe in tune like an orchestra, proved himself to be the son of God by promising to come back again, and he will come back again. And he's proved himself to be the son of God in our lives. We don't have any other, anything else to hold on to, God, because we know the one true and living God. Thank you now for your grace, your mercy, your peace, for your power, for your authority. Thank you for your love and care. Now, God, we're about to study your word. We know you have something to say to us. We want to sit down and read your email this morning. We want to read it carefully, God. Read your text from us so that to us that we might know what you're saying to the church. Now, God, bless those who are sick on the phone. Heal them. <clears throat> bless those who are going through despondency. Encourage them. Bless those who are feeling alone. Love on them. Bless those who are surrounded by family and friends and how you have blessed us so. We thank you, we love you, we praise you. It is in Jesus' precious name we pray. And all the saints virtually said, 
Amen. Let me level set this a little bit. Uh, it'll make a lot more sense to you before we jump into Matthew. By the way, let me uh, take a parenthetical pause here and congratulate everybody graduating from pre-K all the way through PhD. Congratulations on your commencement. Congratulations on your accomplishments, your academic prowess, your stick-to-itiveness, and the fact that you've accomplished something. That's a big deal. Congratulations. We are now putting a gold cord around your neck that says you are special, you are beloved, and we are so proud of what you've accomplished and heaven only knows what's in your future. But we know whatever it is, it's going to be great. Ah, Matthew chapter eight. Our commentator said that the title of this sermon was delivered. Excuse me, I said sermon, didn't it? The title of this Sunday school lesson is Delivered from Fear. Last week, we talked about being delivered and overcoming worry. Now, the commentator has shifted and, and is having us talk about being delivered from fear. Isn't it interesting that in the context of people who are on the earth the same time as Jesus is, that there would be any fear associated with your walk with the Lord. But may I tell you that you can walk with the Lord and still experience times of deep fear and, and, and worry and concern. Yes, it happens to the best of saints as it has happened to all of us. But what we're going to talk about this morning is a way out as we did last week. Not saying you won't get scared. I'm not saying you bone crusher and you ain't never scared, but I'm telling you that there's a way out of fear that's biblically based and you can do it. Now, uh, we need to back up just a moment before we jump into the, the subject matter of the lesson, which is Matthew 8, so that you will understand what is going on. It'll make a lot more sense to you. We ended up talking about last week, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. So remember now, Jesus... Uh, as, as Matthew chapter 8 opens, Jesus is coming down from the mountain where he has preached the greatest sermon that's ever been preached, the Sermon on the Mount, where, where included and in, 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 in incorporated in the Sermon on the Mount are the Beatitudes. Stay with me now. He's preached that. He has been preaching all day. The crowds are, are pushing in on him like it's a Jackson 5 concert. And for those of you who are a little older, uh, uh, excuse me, a little younger, a Michael Jackson concert. Uh, it's that kind of crowd. People are pushing and jostling, trying to hear the word of God. They're in a desert place. There is no, there's no magic market. There's no 7-Eleven. There's no Kroger's with an S. There's no Publix. They have no food. They have no way to get food. There, there are no food trucks. They're out here for one purpose. They want to hear the word of God because this Jesus, this Jesus that they've been hearing about, is not only teaching with authority, but he's doing these marvelous miracles that nobody can explain. Uh, they know they're miracles because they know the people whom Jesus is interacting with. This is not something they saw on television and thought it might've been manipulated, thought it might've been edited, thought it might've been cut up. No, no, they know the people whom Jesus has healed they know the people whom Jesus has interacted with, and so they have a greater appreciation and awe for what Jesus has done because they know the folks. Now, let's watch what happens. He comes down from 
the, 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 the Sermon on the Mount. He comes down and as he is headed uh, to the next place he's going, the Bible says that a leper came and worshiped him and the leper said, catch this, Lord, if thou will, thou canst make me clean. Watch this. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said unto him, see thou tell no man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. Good God. Listen, there's so much in this we could teach on that, but I'm not going to do that. Ah, here's what happened. People loathe people with leprosy. This is a big crowd. It's, 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 it's chaos. It's pandemonium. It's wall to wall people. And up walks the leper. Now you have to understand when you had leprosy back then, it's a horrible skin disease uh, with open sores. And not only was it a disease, but people were considered social outcasts. They weren't supposed to get close to you. As a matter of fact, whenever a leper approached anybody, he had to yell out, unclean, unclean. Leprosy and lepers uh, represent from a spiritual uh, sort of simile uh, perspective, metaphorical perspective, sin. And so this leprosy, this leper comes in the middle of this crowd. The crowd has to part because he's not even supposed to be there. And he boldly walks up uh, to Jesus. Now, the disciples have dispersed too. <laughs> because you don't want to be anywhere near a leper, but Jesus doesn't rebuke him. Instead, Jesus cleanses him. And then here's the thing you miss if you read that too, too quickly. He first worshiped Jesus. Put, put, please put that down before you, before you start asking for stuff and learn to worship. And then he said something. He said, Jesus, if you will, you can cleanse me. In other words, I know you can, if you will. I don't have any doubt. He's a leper. He's an outcast. He hadn't been to synagogue, hadn't been to temple, hadn't been to church because he can't go. He's been in a, he's been isolated. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Y'all know about that, right? He's been in isolation for a while, so he can't get around any people, but he knows Jesus is a healer. I'm telling you, people of God on this phone, you just got it. I see you running around your living room. You just got it that you can be isolated and not within, not in church, not around church people, but you can still call on the name of the Lord and get what you need. So when this, when Jesus, not only does Jesus, uh, Cleanse him. The Bible says he put forth his hand and touched him. You're not supposed to touch a leper because you understand that in the Old Testament, if somebody was unclean and you came in contact with them, it made you unclean. Watch Jesus flip the script. Jesus said, no, no, no. If, you come in, if you're unclean, you come in contact with me because I'm clean and you become clean. Do you see the difference? Y'all, y'all might be doing some dirty stuff, might have done some dirty deeds, but when you come in contact with Jesus and Jesus touches you, you become clean. Why is this, 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 this little story here so, so, so particular? It's because Jesus then does something that is mind-blowing. He tells the man, go show yourself to the priest. Now, the Bible already said that immediately his leprosy was cleansed. It's a skin disease. You can see it. You can see him clear. He didn't use no. He didn't use any 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 any, any product. He didn't use any noxema. He didn't use any esterica, esoterica. No, his skin came back as clean. So so it was clear. He was clean. But watch what Jesus does now. Jesus does something you thought your that you invented or you thought your doctor invented. Jesus says, "Go get a second opinion. Go show yourself to the priest." And Jesus said, "And don't miss this. Give the give the gift that Moses commanded." Now.
You have to read all that in Leviticus 14, three through seven. We don't have time today except for me to say this very quickly. Uh, the priest's job was to confirm that the person was cleansed of leprosy. It didn't happen very often. And the priest had no choice but to say he was cleansed if he was. The leper has more faith than the priest. But watch this. But when the leper went to the priest, he went to show himself to the priest so that the priest could confirm that he was cleansed of leprosy and gave him a what we call clean bill of health that would allow him back into proper society. Now watch. The priest then is a professional diagnoser of leprosy. And if he gives you a clean bill of health, then you're clean. The leper had to take with him two birds. One was to be sacrificed. One was kept alive. The live bird was dipped in the blood of the bird that, that was killed. Oh my God, y'all see it, don't you? Look at Jesus modeling his, his propitiation for us with this leper that you miss if you read too fast. He gives this leper instructions. You got to follow the law because he said, I came to complete the law. He said, Leviticus. That's how you get cleansed of leprosy. If you do all this, the priest has to confirm. Now watch what Jesus does. Jesus takes a priest who doesn't believe in him and makes him an expert witness that Jesus is a miracle worker. <laughs> you see that? Now the priest has to say he's clean because the priest wasn't at the, at the leprosy cleaning. He's back at the temple, back at the synagogue. When this boy shows up and, the, and, and he's clean, the priest has to confirm. The priest becomes an expert witness that Jesus is a healer especially in light of this blood sacrifice, listen to that again, this blood sacrifice that the leper does post-cleansing, the priest has no choice but to say Jesus cleansed the leper. Ah, uh, now, you still with me? This miracle then is authenticated and Jesus tells the boy to get a second opinion like you do when, when you have a bad diagnosis and the second opinion says, you are completely 100% healed of your leprosy. Go on, Jesus. And you can imagine when word of that got around, people were come running, 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 running for their lives, trying to get to Jesus because they know he's a true miracle worker. Let's walk on a little further. I'm, I'm going to the lesson. I just got to give you this background because you won't understand it. After this, he went to a Capernaum and was met by a centurion who begged him, watch this, if you just say a word, my servant would be healed. Now watch this, y'all. The only people that the Jews despised and loathed more than people with leprosy were the Roman soldiers, especially those in the military like this century. They hated him. Now here's a sick man coming to Jesus who gets cleansed. Here's a hated man coming to Jesus. He's an outcast. He's a social outcast. <clears throat> they don't want him around. He, he is a Gentile. He comes to Jesus with great faith and says to Jesus, if you just speak a word, you don't have to go to my house. You, 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 just speak the word and my servant will be healed. That's a word for some of y'all. You don't, don't wait for somebody to come over to your place and, and, and run around three times and blow bubbles and turn back flips like Simone Biles, who's the greatest uh, uh, gymnast ever lived in the history of Georgia. My God. But 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 you can speak a word this morning and your situation will immediately change if you've got the faith. Let me say that again. Jesus can speak a word to you this morning and your situation will immediately change for the better if you have faith. 
Huh, watch this. And 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 Jesus not only did it, but he stopped and he paused and he marveled at the faith of this centurion who didn't go to church. See, our problem is sometimes we block church, we block non-church goers because they don't come to our church or they don't do church. But Jesus isn't concerned about your church attendance. He's concerned about the condition of your heart. If you've got the faith, Jesus is always open. He's not like 7-Eleven. No, no, no. He's always open to heal. Jesus then said something that I'm sure blew everybody's mind because they thought they were big, sophisticated people in church, had titles, had a special place they sat. Jesus said, I haven't seen faith like this non-believing Gentile centurion in all Israel. That, that had to be like a, getting slapped across the face with a fish because these people thought, well, we're church people. Uh, you don't know. I'm on the worship board. You, you don't know. I'm a minister. Uh, you don't know. I'm in the parking lot ministry. I go to church. Jesus, you're going to hear these other people before you get to me? Yes, why? Because you do church, they do faith. Elevate your, elevate your faith above church now and start having faith in the Lord. Jesus then spoke to the multitude and predicted that many Gentiles, thank you, Lord, would eventually be saved from all over the world, but he said many of the Jews would not be saved. That had to be an awful pronouncement to them. Jesus after having this conversation, then turned to the centurion and said, go home and things would happen just like you believe they will. The Bible records the Bible, the Bible, the Bible. At that very moment, his servant was healed. You don't believe it? They wrote a verse about it. Here you go. And Jesus said unto the centurion, go thy way. And as thou hast believed, so it be done unto thee. Now watch this next phrase in verse 13. And his servant was healed in the self-same hour. Watch this. His servant was healed by the power of Jesus working in conjunction with the faith of the centurion. He, the, boy, the boy got healed because the centurion believed and Jesus spoke it. If any of that is missing, there's no healing. You've got to have faith. You've got to confess your faith. Jesus has to confirm it because everything you want, you don't get. He confirms it. And when that happens, y'all, you've got the Rubik's Cube figured out. You're healed from that same hour. Come on, walk with me a little more. After that, now, everywhere Jesus goes now, people are pressing on him. I tell you, it's like a Michael Jackson concert. It, 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 people, are, people are pressing on him. People are, people are everywhere. So he leaves and he goes down to Peter's house, Apostle Peter. And despite the fact, watch this, y'all, because this will bless you. Despite the fact that Peter was a called apostle of Jesus, he'd been walking with Jesus, talking with Jesus. Jesus had made him up, so he's going to be a fisherman of men. He's close to Jesus, but his mother got sick. Did y'all hear that? Because some of you all get upset and mad because you've done all this work in the church and things still go wrong. That's okay, though. It, it, you're not exempt from trouble, concern, and problems just because you walk with Jesus. You're not. You're not. Get over it. But guess what? You're better off when your situation comes up having been with Jesus than those who aren't. Watch what happens to Peter. Watch how personal Jesus gets. He goes down to Peter's house. Peter's, Peter's mother-in-law is sick, has a fever. Jesus touched her. Remember now, he touched the unclean person, the leper. He was healed. He spoke to a unclean person, a centurion, and he was healed. 
his servants healed. Now he's going to touch a, quote, clean person, but the clean person still got sick. You can believe God. You can be faithful. You can be a tither and still get sick. But he touched her hand and and she got she got healed. But what, what was amazing is, and the Bible says, and she arose and ministered out there. She got off her sick bed, got dressed, and went to cooking. Woo. And then the Bible says, after that, they just, they, they didn't make an appointment. They didn't ask for permission. The Bible says they, they just brought him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits and, and his, with his word, and he healed all, underscore that word, all, and that's in verse 16, that were sick. And, 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 and the Bible says it's because he's fulfilling the prophecy of Isaiah that he took himself our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. He's had a long day. He's had a long day and they won't quit bringing people. And Jesus can't say, I'm off the clock because he doesn't go off the clock. As long as you bring him sick, upset, angry, despondent, depressed, People, as long as you bring them to Jesus, Jesus will be there to heal them. Don't give up on people you've been bringing to Jesus repeatedly. Your children, your spouse, your friends, your, your, your enemies, keep on taking them. Keep going to Jesus with them. Keep, he's not closed. He doesn't close. He's not on the clock. He is always available if we have the faith and if he, if he, if it's his will, they will be healed. Watch what I said. Now, if we have the faith and if it's his will, they can be healed. They can be delivered. It's not too late. Keep taking them just like they did. They knew Jesus was tired. They, they, they've been out there with him, but they said, I, I, I understand that, but, but, my, but, but my mother's sick. My father's sick. My son is sick. My daughter is sick. I've got some stuff going on. I got to go see him. <laughs> and he's always available. He's, he's never closed. Keep taking them. Jesus has to challenge these people who says, I'll follow you anywhere you go. He said, foxes have hold. Birds have nests. The son of man has nowhere to lay his head. And another man came to him in the same context and said, Lord, I, I want to follow you, but I got to go first bury my father. And Jesus let the, let the dead bury the dead. Jesus said, I'm on a mission, son. I'm on a mission, daughter. I have somewhere to go. Your excuses don't help anybody. Come on and go with me. As we heal people, now we get to the lesson. Oh, Touch your neighbor and say, Elder White gave a long introduction. I had to do that because in context, you need to understand why and where we are so that the lesson will leap off the page of you now. and It, it will become alive in your spirit, and you're going to get something out of this lesson. Now let's go <clears throat> to our lesson this morning. Chapter 8, <clears throat> beginning at verse 23. And when he had entered into a ship, his disciples followed him. <clears throat> End of the day, long day. He hadn't eaten, nothing to drink. Nobody's ministering unto him except Peter's, Peter's mother-in-law. And that's just a very quick minute because the crowd is pressed through the door. People, people are pushing and shoving. You know the other, you've read other stories in the Bible where they, they'll let them down through the roof. They'll do anything to get to Jesus. I wish people had that zeal now that they would do anything to get to Jesus. Oh my God. <clears throat> He said, let, let, I got to go. I, I got to get away. I got to get to a place. I need a. I, I need to get to a place now. Uh, just uh, basically a break because Jesus is fully God, but he's fully man. So he entered into a ship. Now watch this. <clears throat> His disciples followed him into the ship. Jesus now, 
were, they were in Capernaum on the western side of the Sea of Galilee. He performed all these miracles and he begins to want to get a little rest, as I said, and he, de he decided to go to the other side or the eastern side of the Sea of Galilee. Now, I got to tell you this because this will make sense to you. When you read any stories of Jesus and his interaction with his disciples, make sure you read the story in all three Gospels, the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, because they each have a different perspective. Some will add more details than others. You're going to see that in a minute. It's going to make more sense. Now, Mark tells us that there were many little small ships following along. In other words, even though Jesus got in a ship with his disciples, there were other people who weren't going to let him go. They didn't care if Jesus was going to the other side or not. They had, they're trying to bring their mother, their father, their sister, their brother, their children to the one who can heal. And so when he got on the ship, a bunch of little ships went with him. Now, this term ship uh, most likely refers to a little, not little, but a fishing boat. And remember this because this will, this will be important. This is important. Many of Jesus' disciples were fishermen. Now, <clears throat> Matthew, when he's talking about this story and others, he tends to give the shortest accounts of the event. Mark and Luke look are more expansive. Luke is very detailed like a stenographer in court. Mark has a focus because Mark doesn't think much of the disciples. And so Mark's going to always point out Disciple shortcoming. As a result, <clears throat> excuse me, it is important to use information from all three Gospels, as we said. <clears throat> In the study of Matthew, we're going to also look at Mark and Luke on this account that we're about to deal with. Now, there are some events that are recorded differently, but they're not contradictions. You can tell the Jehovah Witnesses to leave your door when they say, oh, isn't there a contradiction in the Bible? No, there's a contradiction in your mind. Leave. Thank you. Don't come back. Uh, uh, Everybody can have a different perspective. That's why you can watch Fox News, you can watch ESPN, you can watch CBS, ABC, MSNBC, AMNOP. It doesn't matter. Everybody has a different perspective. That's, what, that's all that's happening here. So let's watch. <clears throat> now, they're going to get in the ship. Now, did you, did you notice that the disciples went with him, the fishermen? Did that speak to your heart? Because it spoke to mine. Because here's the thing. They're fishermen. So they are experts <clears throat> in uh, atmospheric pressure and what's going to happen on the sea because they're about to run into a storm. Here's the point I'm trying to make to you. If the disciples who were fishermen by trade thought a storm was coming up, they would have warned Jesus. Now, wait, Lord, I, 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 we, we might not want to sail right now because a big storm's on the horizon. Uh, my grandma used to say, uh, we'd be sitting around playing everything. She said, hey, hey. Y'all need to get quiet. It's coming up a cloud. I didn't know what that meant. It meant that <clears throat> it's about to be a storm. They didn't tell him that because it was a routine crossing. As far as they knew, watch this now because this happens in your life. As far as they knew, when they got up that morning and got on the ship, there was no problem that they anticipated. They, they, they had no reason to worry, no reason to have a, a fear or a doubt because if, they, if, if something was going to go on because of their expertise, they would have known about it, right? Yeah, but you don't know everything. <laughs> you think you do, because watch what happens. And behold, verse 24, Matthew 8, there arose, this is sudden now, a great tempest in the sea, 
And so much that the ship was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. <laughs> wow. They didn't tell Jesus the storm was coming. This is supposed to be an expert. He didn't tell them. You know why? They didn't know. You don't know everything that you think you know. You know, sometimes you have to get advice from other people, especially from the Lord, before you do something. Now watch this. It says there arose a great tempest in the sea. The words great tempest refers to a very violent storm. This is something guy sharp couldn't predict. He, you know, this is something they button down the hatches, uh, nail up your, 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 tin, your tin on your, on your windows. Go down to the basement, get in the tub, cover your head up. This is a violent storm. This storm will wreak havoc on this ship and the other little ships. It was the storm of all storms. The Bible says that the storm was so violent and fierce, the ship was covered with the waves. In Mark's account, the boat was filling up with water. Mark even says uh, the, the, the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. The ship is full of water. The storm is raging. They're bailing the ship. They're taking buckets trying to get the water out. They're trying to, they're trying to make this thing, get this thing back to land. They're doing all they can, and Jesus is asleep. It's hard to imagine that anybody could sleep in the midst of a storm, but Jesus gets on a floaty. Y'all go on vacation. Y'all know y'all blow up the little plastic floaties and lay on them on the water. That's what Jesus basically did. He laid on the Bible. He, lay, he would sleep on a pillow. Y'all thought y'all invented floaties. No, Jesus invented the floaty. He's laying on a floaty. And as the waves are, are tossed, throwing people up and down and back, Jesus is snoring. He's asleep. It's been a long day. He's cast out a lot of demons. He, he's asleep in the natural. Who can sleep in a time like this? But this is Jesus. He was not worried because he knew his father would protect him under any circumstances. And in addition, he was the creator of all things. Jesus created the winds and the waves. He knew he had authority over him. So he's tired from a long day. He went to sleep. Jesus trusted God even in the midst of a storm. His ministry made him weary. He, he, he was sleepy, the man Jesus, he, but he had no guilt, no fear, no, no worry. He went to sleep. But he's not sleeping because he's trying to be ugly. He's sleep at a time to test the faith of the disciples, to see if they could trust him, even when it seemed like he didn't care. The purpose of Jesus' sleep was not so much to be refreshed, but it was designed for the purpose of waking him to address the faith of the disciples. Now watch this. This is, this is critical coming up. Verse 25. You with me? And his disciples came to him and awoke him saying, Lord, save us, we perish. Several of these disciples, most all of them were fishermen. And they had experienced similar storms. They've had other close calls with the water and the waves. However, in other storms, being professionals, they were able to overcome their circumstances. But as already noted, this was probably the storm of all storms and caused the disciples even to be afraid, although they were professional fishermen. Part of our problem is we've been through some things that we've handled ourselves 
And when they come up again, we don't go to the Lord. And before you know it, there's a big storm brewing. But they woke up Jesus and said, Lord, we perish. But I need to read you something from Mark so this will make more sense. Mark 4.38, grab that real quickly. I want you to look at this. Mark 4.38, and he, Jesus, was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say, watch this, Master, carest thou not that we perish? Can't you hear uh, James Cleveland saying that? That we perish. Yeah. Master, carest thou not that we perish? Now let's go back to Matthew. Uh, uh, we got to realize in some situations, COVID-19, slavery, segregation, uh, violence, uh, craziness. The only person who can fix our problem is Jesus. Can't do it by yourself. Uh, uh, watch this now. <clears throat> Verses 26 and 27. Because <clears throat> it's going to bless you. Uh, it, 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 it's going to bless you because you need to understand what Jesus is trying to teach. Remember, y'all, He's already healed by touch twice. He healed a leper by touch. Then he healed Peter's mother-in-law by touch. He's already healed by speaking a word. He spoke a word to the centurion. The centurion's servant was healed. He did that despite the fact that all the church people in the crowd didn't like the centurion. But the centurion did something that the disciples just did but they had not done it before. <clears throat> they were imploring Jesus, begging. That Greek word is parakaleo. It's the kind of intense begging. Not like a person you might meet on the street who's homeless and they beg you for something, you give them a little bit. No, no. This kind of the intense begging that you might hear on a battlefield when somebody's been wounded and they don't know if they're going to live or die. And, that's, and that deep guttural scream or desire, <clears throat> save me, comes out. Part of the problem with us, may I tell you this, is that our prayers lack intensity. I'm not talking about screaming. I'm not talking about how loud you talk. I'm not talking about how long you talk. But I'm talking about you made it routine and it's not intense. And sometimes you don't get the, the, the uh, I don't want to say you don't get you don't get Jesus' attention. You always get his attention. But, but your faith uh, uh, seems a little weak because you, you pray like you're, like you're talking to, us, uh, to the machine at, at, at Popeye's. And I have a two-piece uh, with an extra biscuit and cherry soda. That's how we pray to God. But you're not imploring parakaleo. He, 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 because listen now, he didn't have to be present to heal. He invented telemedicine. Yeah, y'all thought they invented telemedicine during COVID-19. Jesus invented telemedicine. He healed a centurion servant and never went to his house. That's telemedicine. Anybody can come to Jesus for help, even those in church. Now, don't let the devil trick you to think because you're in church, you have to wait until a certain time when you can go, no, no, we're all equal at the foot of the cross. Now, watch this. Watch this, watch this. They've gone to Jesus. They're about to perish. They think they're going to drown. They can't do it on their own. They're rowing and pulling and pulling and rowing and building water and doing everything and anything they can do to try to get out of the situation they're in. They go to Jesus and they, and they, and they ask Jesus, they challenge Jesus' integrity. 
Yeah, they do. They say to him, Master, don't you care that we perish? Now, y'all be honest because you're, you're at home now. I can't see your face. You can't see mine. Have you ever been like that with the Lord? Have you ever thrown up your hands in frustration? Don't lie. And say, I don't think the Lord cares about this. This is, this is, he doesn't care. If he cared, he'd deliver me. No, 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 people of God, don't you let the devil trick you like that. Listen, don't do that. Don't let the devil trick you. He cares. All he came for was to care about you. Don't you let the enemy have you thinking that your problem is too small for God. Nothing is too small for God. Nothing, nothing is too little. If it's a problem for you, it's a problem for him. He no more ignores your cry than you would ignore the cry of one of your children. Even if you know they're okay, they're full, they're not wet, the, the, the house is nice and warm. But if they cry out to you, you're going to go because you know something is off. That's the way Jesus is. They had no right. They had no business, but they didn't understand. But they, they had no right with this insult. Don't you care that we perish? Now watch Jesus' response. Verse 26. And he said unto them, the disciples, why are you so fearful? O ye of little faith. Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and that was great calm. Did you see what just happened here? They want an immediate response to an immediate problem, but Jesus stops to minister. <laughs> Jesus said, I, 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 I got this. I got this. But let me just say this. Uh, and they probably said, well, why are you talking? Do something. He's like, because I need to check you here. Because he says, oh, ye of little faith, that is based on Mark's account that they said, don't you care? Of course I care. How dare you? Of course I care. He, he, he didn't rebuke them for disturbing his sleep, but he rebuked them for disturbing him with their own fears and for the unmitigated gall of making a false accusation that he didn't care. He rebuked them for not having enough, quote, faith to rest confidently in God's will to protect them. Jesus says, I'm on the board. I'm a life preserver. I'm a life preserver. Just because we don't see, think Jesus, God knows what's going on, he does. There's no stone too big, too small that he doesn't know what's going on. Of course, he cares. His presence on the boat meant they were protected. May I say that again? His presence on the boat meant they were protected. His presence in your life means you are protected. His presence in your life means you are protected. But where? I go through some things. You're protected. I deal with some stuff. You're protected. I don't always get what I want. You're protected. I'm going through the stuff right now. You're protected. People are bothering with me. You're protected. My money is funny. My change is strange. You're protected. My children are acting sideways. You're protected. I can't seem to get any relief. You're protected. You're protected. Don't doubt Jesus. You are protected. Now notice, now notice, now notice, there is no penalty for having little faith. Just grace. He didn't say, you know what, I, I, I'm not going to do anything. Y'all just drown. No, that's not Jesus. He could have. He could have said, y'all ain't got no faith and y'all handle it. I, 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 can walk on, I can walk on this water and go back to the shore. That's not Jesus. Listen, y'all, he never punishes you for little faith because his grace takes over. 
It's the character of God that he, in the spite of your lack of faith, he still comes to see about you. Despite your lack of trust in him, he's still there to protect you. And the Bible says, he got up, rebuked the winds and the sea, and that was great calm. According to Mark's account, Jesus' exact words were, peace, be still. Peace, be still. Ah, ah, the, 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 the soothing voice of Jesus. And the Bible says, when he spoke, there was great calm. When he commanded the wind and the waves to cease, they quickly became close. Can y'all imagine that? The boat's really in rocking like a drunken man. It's about to tip over, about to capsize. Water's filling up their belly. And all Jesus does is speak one word, peace. Be still. And whenever the Lord says peace, there will be peace. Yeah, that, that was now a perfect peacefulness. Notice, notice how easily Jesus performed this miracle. He simply spoke a word like he did with the centurion. Moses commanded the waters with a rod. Joshua stopped the waters with the Ark of the Covenant. Elisha parted the waters with the prophet's mantle. But Jesus calmed the waters with his word. Just the word from the Lord calms every water. The disciples, oh my God, our disciples got the benefit of a miracle, although they weren't necessarily qualified at the time because of their lack of faith, but Jesus blessed them anyway. I want to say something to you, people of God. I want to make sure the church wakes up and addresses the needs of the people. Too much violence, too much fear, too much hatred. Wake up, church. Wake up, church. The people need us. They're scared all over Atlanta. They need the Lord. They need Jesus. He's the only person who can save people. Not, not the next mayor. Not the next governor, not the next senator, not the next president. These people need Jesus to say, peace, be still. The Bible says the disciples got up and said, what manner of man is this? Even the winds and waves obey him. I can tell you what manner of man it is. He's Jesus the Christ. And God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love. And of a sound mind. Jesus has that peace that passes all understanding. Jesus has that kind of peace that when he speaks a word, you can know in your very knower that everything will be all right. Jesus has that kind of.